Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy. As always, thank you so much for joining. Listening on Apple Podcasts, App Spotify. Doesn't matter where you listen. Appreciate you all the same. Week two in the NFL is in the books and back for the second time. We're still working on our little uh, football podcast sub name of Subway Sports Talk, but let's bring it right in and get into it here. First, Patrick Boyle. Pat Boyle, your team got a dub, man. What's good today? Yeah, dude, the Browns get a, a pass at least for another week. I was saying I was going to come on here and I was going to rip them to shreds if they lost on Thursday Night Football to, to Joe Burrow and the Bengals. And apparently Baker Mayfield took that in stride. Uh, I don't know if I've seen him that locked in okay. in a long time. He was making plays. He was amped up the entire game, uh, delivered uh, some great passes. Him and Odell, obviously, they hook up for the uh, near 50-yard score, which – Keeps all the media quiet for at least one week. Uh, Chubb and Kareem Hunt combined for 200 yards, which I was saying that should have happened easily. Uh, they did, and they were able to you know, kind of quell the late Cincinnati comeback. Burrow looked great. I mean, he's been every bit of advertised. But, uh, you know, a win is a win is a win in the NFL, so I'll take it, man. And uh, that was exactly what I was hoping for out of them. Ain't that the truth? Well, you couldn't even let me get to our guy, Rock, before the music ended, man. Sheesh. Sorry, dude. <laughs> I'm just messing I around. Browns, I start getting <laughs> excited. You know, they got to win. We're one and one. Of course, of course. I'm messing around. We're going to talk about the Browns and Baker because that's an interesting conversation to have. But also with us again, week two, Rocco Dell. What's up, man? PD, Patty, what's up? Uh, we talk about one rookie, Joe Burrow. Now we'll talk about another, Rocco Del Piori. Uh, new mic, new headphones. Yeah. Disappo- disappointed in my uh, showing last week. Come back. Everybody loves a comeback story, Pete. <laughs> That's it. I was going to say, you know, you're, you're coming in with the new sound right now. You Maybe we're a little little close there on that one, but we're, we're getting it. It sounds, sounds wonderful. I'm happy that uh, we're here again, the three of us talking football like we're going to do pretty much every week. O- only reason we wouldn't is uh, if something came up, you know, it didn't work out, but we're going to be talking football for the next se- 17 weeks, 20 weeks, including playoffs. Who the hell knows? And I couldn't be more happy to talk to Rocco and Pat here on Subway Sports Talk. Uh, hit us on Twitter, on, on Instagram, at Subway Sports Talk. On Twitter, it's TLK, not enough characters. What are you going to do? Uh, but a good place to start here, because we're going to get to the Browns, we're going to get to the Jets, we're going to get to the Giants, and then all the big storylines, you know, in regards to the best and worst teams through two weeks in the NFL, right, and what's been most interesting. But unfortunately, there's something else that kind of needs to be touched on that's interesting, but for bad reasons, right? And uh, Rock, and I'll call you coach in this specific situation. I, I want to talk to you because you have probably more firsthand experience seeing athletes try to figure it out early on in the season, right? Now, granted, you're not coaching NFL players, but you're still coaching at a level where it's being taken very serious and preseason always looks a little weird. There's always injuries. Is the defense up to speed before the offense? And basically what I'm posing to you right now is, to me, the play on the field actually looks surprisingly crisp, surprisingly good. We always hear the past couple of years that the O-line's behind because there's no hitting anymore. There's no real practice. I'm not hearing a lot of that, but what we're hearing right now, Rock, is injuries galore, torn ACLs galore, and that 
really hurts the sport. It stinks to see. So product on the field as far as level of play and these injuries. What what's your like feeling on this early uh, season woes here? So uh, so you're absolutely right about that, Pete. Um, going into the year, I had said I I, I questioned the uh, the product they were going to put on the field with no preseason with a limited off season to none, right? They did them virtually over Zooms and Google Meets. You you wondered how crisp they would look, but you forget that these guys are football players, that that's their job, and they've played football since they were five, six years old. So for them, putting the pads on is just, you know, it's like uh, you putting on the headset and getting on the mic. Easy to do, and you sound good at it. Hey. Um, but the injuries are because... The intensity obviously ramps up on game day. And the volume prior to game day is not enough. And you, that's where you see in the soft tissue issue uh, injuries before. And obviously now, this weekend, a plethora of ACL injuries. So it's concerning going forward. And uh, the team with the most depth will be standing at the end. It could be that simple, right, of – of what teams can withstand the injuries. Now, obviously, a team like the San Francisco 49ers, which we just saw versus the Jets and we'll see upcoming versus the Giants, they seem to get hit the hard, like the hardest, right, out of anybody. They don't just have uh, two of their best D-linemen's banged up or one out for the season. Or both. Is Solomon Thomas also torn ACL? I forget what happened to him. Yeah, uh, but yeah Bo- torn ACL. Yeah, Bosa's torn ACL. Jimmy G with a high ankle sprain. Uh, a bunch of receivers already hurt before week two. So they may have gotten hit harder. And obviously, Saquon Barkley, you know, it's probably too late. I should have brought that up the first thing I said. Saquon Barkley out for the season with these torn ACL. You hate to see it. And it's something that we've come accustomed to over the years of seeing these really brutal injuries. But weirdly enough, it feels like you always hear about like what? Maybe two to five really big injuries in training camp, in OTAs, or in preseason. Maybe we... I don't know about. I don't know if you guys remember any. I don't really remember many big time game like game changing or season changing injuries leading up to the season. But now that these first couple weeks are, you know, full speed, legit counting for the playoffs, they're happening now, and and that's tough. That's tough to see. Pat, have you been pleased with the on field play level? You know, disregarding the injuries right now. Yeah, um, I, I think for the most part. Uh, you know, these guys have gotten uh, acclimated quite quickly. I think that's a testament to the overall uh, focus level, intensity, professionalism that the NFL does have uh, in terms of how they hold themselves, how responsible. Uh, I think also the fact that there's always the lingering possibility that this season wasn't going to happen or that something might happen during the season. I think athletes as a whole uh, have not taken sports and have not taken their profession for granted at all. And they've gone at it. Um, sorry for the dog, by the way, (laughs) going nuts. Sorry. And they've, you know, they've really gotten after it. I think they were ready as mentally as possible and with their preparation to go for this season. Yeah. And we saw the same thing in the NBA, right? Like I'm still in awe that the NBA level of play is as high as it is. Right. And even, I don't want to say definitely, but possibly more difficult is to get up to speed in a full contact sport with more guys, more intricate playbooks, you know, incredible amounts of audibles and calls and whatnot. Even some new players are picking up speed pretty quick. So that part's pretty impressive, but the injury stuff really stinks. Now, the one interesting part about MetLife and the Giants being involved here 
is, is some of this talk about the turf at MetLife. I don't know if you guys have been hearing this stuff, but the 49ers have been kind of vocal about this situation here. Trish. And they, yeah, what did Shanahan say? That he's never seen that many players get stuck up on turf. So that, that sucks, and you hope they figure it out because to see more players go down, and you know every player going getting hurt stinks, but then guys like Saquon Barkley go down, Nick Bosa go down. That hurts the sport, and we hate to see that. So uh, we'll, you know we won't be too negative about all that stuff now, but it was important to bring up. And, and we'll see if the, it does take you know four or five weeks, Dell, like you said, to get the intensity right. Because like you said, you can be in the best shape of your life, but if you didn't strap up for a, a full game that counted – you know, it's a different ball game. doesn't matter how good a shape you're in. The football game speed, it hits different. Uh, and that's what the kids are saying nowadays. Anyways. No doubt. Let's move on <laughs> to the actual topics here. And we'll get to the Jets and Giants and, and their misery. And maybe we'll try to find some silver linings. But let's give Pat, you know, we gave you the floor before here. But let's talk about the Browns quick. Because, you know, you're happy about your win. You're happy about Joe Burrow. I mean, about beating Joe Burrow. And you said Baker was locked in. But I, I, I can't imagine your confidence level with this team is that high. Uh, and that's because a number of things. One included, Baker Mayfield didn't have to do that much. I think that's the formula for them to win. But does that worry you moving forward and in long term that maybe they could only truly compete if Chubb and Hunt combine for 200? That's a great question, Pete, and one that I kind of have to, you know, take a, a bit of time to think about. I think that's going to hopefully change as the year goes on. Um, I, I do think that they need to be a run-first team, considering that their run-blocking line, you know, their their offensive line is very, very good with blocking for Chubb and Hunt. Uh, those two combined, you know, might, might be the best duo in the NFL. If not, they're definitely in the top three with the way they run the ball. I mean, they're both – very quick, very strong, great moves. Um, you know, they can catch the ball out of the backfield as well. And they showed it, obviously. Uh, combined uh, 210 yards. And, you know, you take their two, um, you know, three catches combined for 24 yards. They didn't need to catch the ball a whole lot out of the back, backfield. Hunt caught one for a touchdown. But, dude, I mean, if they're combining for 150, 200 yards every week, the Browns are going to be in a position to win a game every single week, no matter who they're playing. Uh, then it's going to be, you know, on the defense to kind of step up. I think allowing Joe Burrow to have the performance he did, even with the upside, unacceptable uh, throw for over 350 yards. And, you know, they allowed the, the Bengals as, as a team to, to have over 350 yards. They didn't really do much on the ground, but, uh, you know, Burrow. Like 60 times he threw it around. The, yeah, he the threw park. the ball 61 <laughs> times. So the Browns defense has to improve. But just to, to kind of answer the question you did, I know it's been a long-winded answer. Um, no. I'm not necessarily con- concerned. Um, I, I still think just in terms of the sheer weapons they have with Landry, with Beckham, with Austin Hooper, with Njoku when he gets healthy again, I trust Mayfield that this is going to be a year that he steps up. So, no, because I still think that Chubb and Hunt can get them, even on a bad day, can get them a combined 80 to 100 yards. Mm. But if if Baker Mayfield is asked to step up and deliver himself, I think as the season progresses – uh, I'm expecting him to be able to, to kind of do that. So, no, I'm not necessarily concerned yet. Yeah, and I, I feel that the concern is probably too strong of a word, right? Because it still is early in his career. There is plenty of time for him to kind of figure it out and, you know, get his ducks in a row and know when to take shots and know when he's quick enough to escape. Because sometimes that seems to be his problem. Is like he thinks his athleticism is at a level where it's not. 
and these D linemen are, are chasing him down pretty easily, you know? Um, but I think worry would be probably too strong. But for this season specifically, you know, I don't know what their ceiling really could be. I think they need to become a run-first defensive-minded team. Now, now, Rock, I want to ask you this question. Uh, being a fan of a team where quarterback, you think you have it figured out, but you never really know until it clicks, right? Until it really, really hits. When you look at this game, Cleveland versus Cincinnati, Baker versus Joe Burrow, Burrow's played two games. Baker's played two seasons. Do you have a, a pick there? Like, is there a guy, teams equal, that you would go with for the next 10 years? Because, you know, obviously a year ago, it's it's not a, a debate here, but now it really is, and they're both in Ohio. So what say you? So uh, I think they're both very talented quarterbacks. I think you see uh, Baker is ready to take the next step in Stefanski's offense. I think, like uh, Pat said, the ground game is where it's going to start. They run the wide zone scheme. They like to boot off of it. They have the two dudes out wide. They really, you know, they built the tight end position up this offseason. So as long as Bake is not turning the ball over, he's going to have a chance to make those downfield throws off the play action, moving the launch points. Um, Burrow, uh, you know, he was a, a one-year wonder in college, right? He's an older rookie. He's actually older than our guy, Sam Donald. Right. But, um, you know, Burrow threw 60 touchdowns at LSU with a new offensive coordinator. The year before, 25 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. You know, he, he made a great quote. COVID happens a year ago. I'm not the number one pick. So <laughs> Not even close. He might not be picked. Right. So he, uh, I was, I was uh, mightily impressed with his effort on Thursday night. I think um, the sky's the limit for him. He's a competitor. Um, but w- once again, in you just look, it comes down to coaching in this league. And uh, I, I think, you know, w- we've got 14 more games to find out about Baker. But uh, I-, I liked what I saw on Thursday night. So to your question, uh too early to tell uh, the stock's rising on Burroughs for sure. Picked him up in fantasy, I said. Yeah, baby. But, uh, <laughs> but I, I like Bacon. It was a reason he was the number one pick. So, And I think that's a really sound answer from you because I think 98% of people right now, if you polled the general people who are not Browns fans or Bengals fans, right, just regular football fans, it has to be some ridiculous percent, 90%, who are picking Burrow right now. And – it, it, it might be the right pick. I think I might pick it because I, I haven't been consistently a Baker fan or at least to the level of which he got that first year hype. So I think it's a grounded answer by you. And you're just saying, I kind of don't care who I have. They both have enough. They both have what it takes until the Bengals figure it out or until the Browns figure it out. It doesn't matter. Uh, you know, Burrow can come out here and throw 60 times next week again and throw for 500 yards. It doesn't matter if their defense, you know, can't stop a soul. Maybe we like him, but does he do enough to control it? Who, who knows? A lot of things come come into play there, but I appreciate that answer because it's very grounded. I, I think, you know, Pat, you're probably hearing this a lot right now. How many people did you hear say or did you see tweet or if you watched Colin Cowherd that, yeah, Baker won this battle or the Browns won this battle, but Burrow is now in line to win the war because he actually outplayed Baker in this situation? I think that's a that's an easy take to kind of have – and I, 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 I'm glad you asked that question again. And you know, you're asking some excellent questions yet again. This trying week. my best. 
You are. You're doing well. <laughs> um, yeah, but to kind of answer that, if Baker, I, I don't care who's set up to win the war because the fact is uh, in this, in the offense that they have, the Browns are set up where Mayfield only needs to throw the ball 25, 30 times a game if the run game is getting you 200 yards. If Drew Brees is under center, if Russell Wilson's under center, and your running backs are getting you 200 yards, even Russell Wilson only needs to throw the ball 25 times. Right. So the way that the Bengals' offense is set up, they tried to get Mixon involved. He ran the ball 16 times. He had 46 yards. Their running game isn't good. Their line isn't that great. They've got the weapon of A.J. Green, and Burrow is going to need to throw the ball a lot. And they're getting – they're, they're also going a little bit even above that because they're trying to get Burrow to throw the ball as many times down the field so that he can learn and grow as quickly as possible. We are seeing Mayfield in year three. It's not about getting him to grow mm. in terms of throwing the ball. It's getting him to grow mentally and getting him to grow as a quarterback, as a, manager. As a winner, mm. as a manager. And I think you I, – I, even manager because I still think he has the tools to kind of be a dangerous quarterback. But, again, you got those two running backs there, man. He did what he needed to do. So if Baker Mayfield puts that performance in every week, he's going to win the battle and he's going to win the war. Mm. So uh, again, I'm very impressed. I'm very happy with the way that they performed. Another good answer, and 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 right there, it's a good point. The Browns have a head start with the with the talent, right? I mean, the Browns had a bunch of first picks, and now the Bengals had the most recent one. You know, they probably need a couple more tank years before they get those young studs that some the Browns do have at some at some positions. Right? Browns had Browns had plenty of tank years. We're, yeah. we're past that now. <laughs> It's the, bang, the Bengals got a couple more to go. Yeah, they're not quite there yet. And it's interesting. Baker was the accurate guy. He was the guy who had the accuracy, um, you know, in college and even early on. And now that seems to be something that's hurting him a little more than you would have thought, you know, a year and a half ago. So we'll see what happens in Ohio. We'll see what happens with Baker. Uh, the Browns will never stop being interesting, even if they're 0-16. So we'll keep talking about that. And, of course, we got Patty Boyle over there, a little Browns fan. So we got to show you some love. But maybe, you know, every week might be strong. But if, if they're interesting and they're good, we'll be talking about them. I appreciate uh, that, Pete. Yeah, hopefully we don't need to talk about them every week. Yeah. That, that means something will invariably go wrong. That's fair. And uh, two teams that we will probably talk about pretty much every single week it doesn't look like very much is going to go well, right? And that's the Jets and the Giants. I don't even know where we want to start. I feel like we're going to start with the Jets just because there's there's actually a lot more negative probably right now. There's a lot more turmoil. There's some uncertainty. You know, oh, Drew Brees just threw a pick, by the way. Um, there's uncertainty with the Jets. There's uncertainty with Gase. The front office seems to not know what the heck's... Not front office. Douglas seems fine right now, but the, the owners seem to not know what's going on. Uh, the Giants, it's new. It's a new coach. It's a whole new staff. We have to give it a little bit of time before we really freak out. But let's be frank. Both New York teams not looking too hot right now. So, Rob. Neither is their, their stadium, MetLife. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. The turf is terrible. I actually had a whole conversation on Twitter with some folks because I made this tweet at, at Subway Sports Talk, TLK, about Gardner Minshew. And it said, Gardner Minshew is better than both New York quarterbacks, Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones. Changed my mind. So, obviously, people come at me. Oh, what about Josh Allen? What about the Bills? Or you meant New Jersey? I'm like, all right, guys. You knew what I meant. I meant the two teams called New York Giants, New York Jets. Josh Allen, obviously, better than Darnold and Jones right now. But who knows? The Bills are also a way better organization at this point in time. Whatever. Now I'm just ranting. Anyways, Gardner Minshew, better than Daniel Jones, better than Sam Darnold. 
almost inarguable at this point in time. We were talking before we were recording. I don't know if the Jags do some crazy stuff to put him in these incredible situations, but it looks like he's more comfortable spreading the ball around, putting the ball in advantageous spots for receivers to catch. And not that Darnold and Jones don't do it. It just doesn't happen consistently enough. So, Rock, before I lose my mind over here and keep talking for 10 minutes, what the hell is going on with the Jets? Like, how, how frustrating is it? And can you even think of a possible silver lining at this point early on in the season? No, there's no silver lining. Uh, Makai Becton, watching okay. him maul people Hell yeah. and get jacked up. Um, but it, it's very tough to watch, and we'll go back to this again and again, and it's a, it's the storyline in New York, the, uh, the head coach, um, and he's calling the shots on offense. And if you're watching the NFL now and you watch the Chiefs and you watch the Ravens and you watch the Cardinals, and you even watch the 49ers, there's a ton of what they call snap motion, where you motion at the snap, and there's misdirection, there's read plays, they move the launch point of the quarterback, they use the quarterback in the run game, a la the Bills. Um, The Jets are the most static offense known to man. it's, It's very depressing to watch that they keep trotting out the same formations, the same dink and dunk type routes as you talked about last week, Pete. Um, I see another five-yard route on a third and 10, and I, I'm going to turn the TV off. But we got to talk about it on this show, so I got to watch. <laughs> I'm just adding to your misery over there. I mean, it is it is really tough, and I think, Pat, you said it before we started recording as a joke. It's like a comedy show. You know, every moment where something starts to go right for the Jets, they just kind of are blowing it, right? They're making it worse. Sam Darnold makes a great throw, and then all of a sudden, you know, third and 10, uh, throw behind the line of scrimmage and get two yards. It's a frustrating thing. We talked about it. What is it, Pat? Over-under. Set it. Set it for us. Be Vegas. What's the over-under for Adam Gase right now? Uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the schedule. And I think every week that goes on, Pete, the pressure is going to be greater and greater. Um, the The writing on the wall is going to be larger and larger. I mean, you're already seeing basically all of the New York Jets media contingent openly crushing Gates, uh, excuse me, Gates for every play call, uh, the bad play. Uh, they're not holding back. You know, guys like Connor Hughes, Rich Cimini, um, Costello, they're, they're, they are. They're, they're crushing them already two weeks in. And, you know, you get the beat writers who have thousands of followers, an audience of hundreds of thousands of people combined, you know, millions. When you think about how many Jets fans there are in New York City, there's probably two million plus Jets fans. I don't know how. I don't know why. <laughs> but um, it, it's going to get louder and louder and louder. And sooner or later, uh, whether it be Joe Douglas or the Johnson, so they're going to crack. And I, I think when you take a look at the schedule again, you know, I mentioned last week, these next four weeks are going to be critical for them. They play the Colts, the Broncos, the Cardinals, and the Chargers. Going into the season, I thought the Jets could maybe win two of those. I don't know if they win any of them. I don't know if they win a single game until they play the Miami Dolphins. No, the Dolphins are way better than the Jets right now. No, way I'm better. Just, I, well, yeah, I mean, even then – I mean, you could be so you could be you could be looking at a one or two win team this year. And if this team doesn't win a single one of these games through the next four weeks and they're 0 and six 
and they get crushed by Buffalo again, and then they get crushed by Kansas City, and they get crushed by the Patriots. If Gase makes it through week nine, it'll be a miracle. So I will give the over-under for Adam Gase at seven and a half weeks. Mm, half, if, oh, he just about halfway. That, if he makes it to that Kansas City game, good luck. Because that will yeah. probably be the final straw. Wait, is, is Kansas City week eight? Kansas City is week eight, Sunday, November 1st. If well, Adam Gase makes it through October, I think he's lucky. We'll just ask, oh, sorry, we'll ask Eric, we'll ask Eric Biennemi just, instead of coaching the Chiefs, come coach us this week. Don't don't get on the plane, (laughs) stay here. Yeah. How much you need? I'll write the check right now. Eric Biennemi, just come to our sideline, like when a baseball player gets traded during a doubleheader. Oh, my God. Well, my thing about the overrun for Gase there, uh, if he makes it that far, he'll coach against the Chiefs because you don't want the new coach first day to get a 40-burger on his face. You know, 40 to, 42 to nothing against the Chiefs or something like that. So we'll yeah, see. Agree. We'll see what happens but, there. But, but then again, then again, they're probably not going to go out their way to hire anybody midseason. They'll probably just right. promote Williams. And Which is fine. And, and then it'll really go up in flames. Well, Greg Williams at least has good experience as an interim coach. Uh, he doesn't have good experience getting hired after being an interim coach, but he has the experience. You know, he did it with your team, no? the, the Didn't he interim with the Browns? I think he did. But. The thing with the, with the Jets, and Rock, I'm going to defer to you again because watching when you watch them, it's different than when I watch them. I watch them as a New Yorker who doesn't hate the Jets. I'm a Giants fan, but I liked Sam Darnold pre-draft. I still like him, so I kind of root for him. I don't hate the Jets. When you watch them, would you almost rather them, you know, sling it all over the field and let just see Darnold make mistakes, maybe throw some picks, but really take some shots rather than what the hell's going on? Like is that a is that a positive alternative or is that just throwing spaghetti at the wall? No, I I, uh, I definitely would love to see uh, more you know more shots taken on the offense and uh, more of a ex- explosive approach. He keeps saying uh, he there he's a brilliant offensive mind and oh, they have Johnson. a great complex scheme. You know, so I I, I absolutely would love to see you know some uh, play action on second and five because they, they were in that situation a lot yesterday if you look at and they rarely play action they rarely moved them when he when the kid moves the pocket he, he he's uh he's that he's he's solid um but uh you know you know what i think about every time i say cj mosley he's laughing right now he bought the he bought the ball school stock at three dollars <laughs> opted out it's, it's going at 75 right now he's sitting there he's like thank god i'm not involved in this Unreal. Yeah, he, he's laughing his way right now. I mean, you hope not. You hope he's, like, kind of wishing he was out there, but, you know, not having his buddy Jamal Adams to kind of be game wreckers in the, in the defensive side of things, it makes it that much tougher to kind of get the spirits up, right? Like, Oof. Marcus May is the dude who is supposed to step into this position here and be a bit of a game breaker or at least somebody who is respectable in the secondary. Then you lose C.J. Mosley. There's not a crap ton of talent. Otherwise, it's probably it's it seems like it's hard to get the energy up. So, the one thing I'll say about Adam Gase is he doesn't seem like a dumb person, right? Like he doesn't seem like he is completely not self aware. It doesn't seem like he doesn't know what's going on. Even though he he tries to play it off like he doesn't pay attention to the media and all that stuff, and hopefully he doesn't because that would probably ruin his life. But he has to know, right? that it's now or never to start mixing it up, to start trying some new things. I saw a Fugazi tweet. I say Fugazi because I don't know 
the account that tweeted it. I can't confirm that it's a real thing. But apparently Adam Gase is saying something about putting it into hyperdrive. He must know he has to do something or he's gone, right? Like, he can't be that silly. Well, let me ask you this. I, I, I value my friends on if I could eat a slice of pizza with them. So Patty Boyle, for sure. Me and Patty Boyle, eat a piece of pizza. Would you eat a piece of pizza alone with Adam Gase? Me? He's raw. <laughs> I don't want to eat anything with them. <laughs> my, my point being, none of these guys are going that extra effort for him. As no, I believe. You're right. You're right. And even though they say they are, I, again, Darnold says he's a, he's a great guy. Uh, he's awesome. You're not going to throw your coach under the bus. I mean, am I right, Rock? A hundred percent. Of course. And there's, and there's always people. And we're, we pot. Well, actually who's Pat Sherman with now? Who did he just go to? He's the OC somewhere. I forget. It's slipping my mind. Denver? Maybe Denver? I forget. Doesn't matter. It's just the more of an example sake. Somebody who becomes a head coach. Some people are just not head coaches, right? And if Adam Gase goes back to becoming an offensive coordinator and doesn't have to, you know, handle the defense and the special teams and make important decisions, maybe he can come back to this offensive genius or this guru who, that he was touted by Peyton Manning as. Who knows? Maybe he's just not a head coach. I think we all learned about Pat Shermer. He wasn't quite a head coach. You know, he was okay with the right talent. Maybe they could have done some better things. He wasn't the head coach vibe. He's, an, he's a coordinator vibe. And, and that's not really a knock. It's just honest. It's saying that some people are better at certain things. How many people, uh, you know, like Cronell, uh, Romeo Cronell, Mangini, out of Belichick's thing, they went on to be head coach. They did okay. But they were stellar defensive coordinators. So who knows what happens with Gase. And I don't know how much I could even talk about the Jets because, like, it's, it's stressing me out. It's making me sad over here. It's unbelievable. But, I mean, is it going to make me feel better to talk about the Giants? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know that it is. Who do the Jets have this week again? Pat, you said it before. Colts. Uh, They're 11-point yeah. 11, 11 underdogs. So, I actually, and I've bet, that, I'm going to be quite honest, hand up right now. I've uh, I've been betting the Jets the first two weeks. And thank God I've been doing pretty good elsewhere. Because, you know, if those were my main bets, my locks of the week, I'd be getting crushed right now. But I'll probably take them again plus 11. It's a huge spread. There has to be a turning point. There has to be a moment where it turns around, where Darnold makes some of those plays that we've seen him make before, and things look a little bit better. There's a difference between losing and getting crushed. They can lose all the games, and you can feel better about this team than you do right now with something to hang your hat on. And they got none of it. They're going to keep getting crushed. You think Jonathan we, Taylor runs for 180? No. I, I mean, we got to see. We got to see who's even playing for Indianapolis. I know they lost uh, Paris uh, Campbell. I, I hope yeah, yeah, I got the name wrong. Yeah. So I, I mean, every team's battling injuries, but Pete, they got nobody. I know. Now that now that Crowder might be out again next week. Oh my God. Ehrman might be out. Who knows when you're getting Bell back? They got nobody. They yeah. got nobody. I honestly wouldn't be surprised this team loses by double digits every week. They're that oh bad. And, and a conversation that we're not going to have right now because then this podcast will become a full-time Jets podcast, but Trevor Lawrence. I'm just going to say the name. I'm going to say Trevor Lawrence. Chew on it. Think about it, Jets fans. Think about Sam Darnold. It is imperative to find out one thing. We are, we're pretty. We're 99.9% confident Gase is not the coach of the future, right? Maybe 100% positive. Are we... 99% positive that Sam Darnold is the quarterback of the future. Because there's a point in this season where Trevor Lawrence becomes extra, extra sweet, extra, extra possible. And that needs to be a conversation for a different podcast. But think about that, Jets fans. Oh, 
Okay, I need to like take a breath there for a second. Let, let's talk about the Giants. Let's get a little more positive here, right? Let's let's yes. lift the spirits in the room and talk about the New York Giants. So, yes, they had a chance to to beat the Bears. Of course, Saquon Barkley going down is devastating. I'm actually mentally trying to not even think about it. I want to like block it out of my brain because it, it sucks for him. It sucks for fans of the Giants and the whole league, fantasy players, the whole nine. But mo- most importantly for him as a human being and a great player, like we don't get to see him play, it stinks, but... The Giants maybe have some more positive things. Now, I don't, I don't even know who wants to take this. Rock or Pat, whoever wants to jump in, jump in. Is there really a lot more positives? Is there confidence with the Giants? Or is it yeah. just, you know, ch- uh, chalking it up to new coaching staff? No, I, I think there is a lot of positives. Um, and, uh, again, you have to take everything into consideration, granted, um, which, I mean, you know, again, yeah, that's, our, that's our job. You have to do that with everything. But you start with – something that makes it very difficult to take any positives. And that is of course the crushing loss of Saquon Barkley for the entire year with the torn ACL. Now your star running back, basically only second to Christian McCaffrey and Ezekiel Elliott over the last two years with the yards from scrimmage and his playmaking abilities. And you consider how bad the offensive line is for the New York giants. You can only imagine how much more firepower he could be bringing with a solid offensive line, like the Dallas Cowboys have like the Carolina Panthers have had the last few years for McCaffrey. I mean, he could have been an absolute almost Hall of Famer through his first two years if he had an, a solid offensive line. And I don't think that's too much of a stretch. I mean, I think everybody would agree he's already a star after after his rookie season. So, again, the Saquon Barkley loss is crushing. It is depressing. And it is a reason for Giants fans to get upset and get angry. But, again, now let's take into account what happened after Barkley – goes down on the first play of the second quarter. And the Giants are down 17 nothing at half. And you also then lose Slayton midway through the game. Daniel Jolison, you look up, it's 4 p.m. And the Giants are down by four points. Daniel Jones is, leaving, is leading a last-minute drive. And they've got the ball four yards out of the end zone on the final play of the game with a chance to win against the Chicago Bears defense, who, in my opinion, is in the top tier of the NFL, top 10 in the league. So all that considered, I think, again, there's plenty of positives to, to be taken again from this game and for the Giants in two weeks, and that is Jones, despite the turnovers, which, yes, they have to start getting better. That is something where you have to look at the numbers and they have to start decreasing. The fumbles, again, another strip sack and another pair of interceptions. But even then, I still think he's making a ton of plays. I still think he's making plays by himself with his legs. He's getting out of pressure. He's using his weapons. Um, you know, he was able to spread the ball to spread the attack. You're seeing, uh, you know, some different guys now start to make some big plays and the giants defense didn't allow a single point in the second half. So a lot of positives are going to be taken from the giants. And I think the main thing is, and this is the difference between the giants and the jets is the coaching staffs. I have zero faith in the jets coaching staff. And I think most jets fans would agree. Whereas giants fans, I think you have a lot of faith to be taken in the way Joe judge has gone about his business in two weeks the offensive play calling of Jason Garrett, which I think has been very creative and it has uh, kind of taken away from the fact that the Giants offensive line is so bad and the way, again, that they're just competing. You know, you, we throw around that word culture. I think the Giants are starting to build a winning culture through two weeks of the season. So, yeah, I, I think plenty of pauses. But, again, everything everybody's going to go back to, to Barkley being out for the season now, which is obviously a huge blow. Absolutely. Uh, You hit the nail on the head. Uh, You could rest easy at night as a Giant fan knowing that 
you got the higher right with the head coach. Um, young guy, uh, got an edge to him, which if, if you're watching the landscape of the NFL, you get the head coach, you get the quarterback. That, that's just the way it goes. So I, I'm still buying stock in, uh, in Daniel Jones. Um, he, turnover happy for sure. That's an area we're going to have to, you know, keep an eye on for the foreseeable future. Um, but if I'm looking between the Jets and the Giants, uh, the Giants are uh, in a division where, you know, it's outside of the Cowboys. They, they could be, they could be that second place team. So definitely trending towards uh, Giants in better shape at 0-2 than the disasterful Jets. Yeah, and and you know what, Rock, as a coach, you can probably talk to this even better, right? There's a difference between competing and losing and just getting beat, and then there's even a difference between competing and winning and sneaking by a team that you should have beat by a lot more. So, you know, if you're a coach of a team that the effort is just in the toilet and they're losing, what, what do you do to get the focus right, to get the energy right, uh, versus maybe a team like the Giants where – the energy seems good, but they're not getting over the hump. Like, what's the difference there from a coaching mindset? Well, I, I think you don't point the finger, you point the thumb. Mm. Ooh, you look I've right never heard that you. line before. You never used that when you're coaching me. That's incredible. That's a good one. I never heard that before. Uh, it's, it's the truth. So it, it's, you know, the head coach is the, rides the, the front seat of the bus. Bus goes down, the head coach goes with it. So he's steering the ship. Um, like I keep going back to this. And Pat hit the nail on the head. It's, it keeps brewing with the the media in New York. Uh, Gates is not is not seen as that leader. Is not the guy that is empowering, encouraging, motivating these guys to go the extra effort that's needed in the NFL. And he's not giving them an advantage in the way he's calling the game and the way he's running the team. And uh, I think where the Giants have been competitive in these two games is because of the head coach and the staff and uh, where they're giving up, you know, a little bit of talent and uh, their roster is still, you know, being constructed and built to the way they want it. So um, yeah, they got to point the thumb. You got to point the thumb as the head coach and, uh, and look at how you could change things. And uh, for the Jets, I think it's already too far gone. Wow. Yeah. They're going to get hit with a buzzsaw. When Kyler Murray and the and the, uh, <laughs> and the Cardinals come in, what's there. what's worse, Quentin Nelson, you know, pulling around and taking out, you know, your your best D lineman or your best linebacker, just putting them on their back, or Kyler Murray making them fall himself? <laughs> I don't know what's more embarrassing. Oh gosh, well, you know, I, I guess I'm with you. I'm I'm not probably as positive about the Giants just because they're leaving a lot on the table. But I have to remind myself, there's growth opportunities due to the new staff, due to the work-in-progress roster. And, and I forgot Jason Garrett before. He's a guy who, as a head coach, we kept saying, we kept seeing it year after year, not getting over the hump, bringing the Cowboys up, you know, raising their ceiling, but not raising it high enough. And, and now he's a coordinator, and we're all like, oh, you know what? The offensive play calling has not really been the issue. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with the run game without Saquon. Do they stay committed to it? Um, you know, do they keep getting the backs in, involved in the passing game? We'll see, but I think that is a positive to draw on, and the energy of the Giants versus the energy of the Jets is basically night and day at this point, but I think that's just about enough New York football for me right now. 
That's a lot. Uh, the Giants have the... Um, who do they have coming up again? Oh, they have the Niners. So the Niners are banged up. Listen, you know what? We're going to talk about the Niners in a moment, but I'll say this in, the, in, in regards to the Giants. They're a beatable team. And as lousy as the Jets looked again in Week 2, there's a route for the Jets to have been way closer in that game and perhaps win that game. So, yeah, they got beat pretty good, but the Niners are banged up. The Giants have an opportunity again to win a game to keep it close, to keep positive energy, to keep things happening in the right direction. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, but let's move on. Subway Sports Talk, Pete Kennedy, Rocco Del Puri, Pat Boyle. I realize I, I didn't say your full last name in the beginning, Rock. I just, you know, I'm so I'm so used to calling you Del, Rocco Del, Coach Del. I always forget the Puri part. And how, how you doing? Um, hey. <laughs> but anyways, let's move on to the rest of the stuff we got here. And, and the Niners, maybe not them specifically, but we'll start with their division. Because Damn, is the NFC West talented. We, we could almost confidently say, I think we can confidently say, that the 49ers, you know, the Super Bowl uh, contending last year, they lost in the Super Bowl, 49ers, are perhaps the worst team in that division at 2-0. I think that's actually a very fair thing to say. I don't think there's many arguments against it. The Cardinals, the Seahawks, the Rams, three teams right now, who you can confidently see in the playoffs if this wasn't an extended playoff uh, situation right now, right? There's a chance for another team from the from that division to get in. So how real is this division and who sits on top of it right now? Is it the Seahawks with Russ? Is it the Rams, you know, back from their Super Bowl hangover and they're, and they're firing on all the cylinders? Or the young gun, Cliff Kingsbury-led Kyler Murray Cardinals? Who is it, Pat? Who is the who's the best team or who's the worst? I don't know. Whatever you want to say. I think the Niners, the Niners are the worst. We all agree there. Niners are the, uh, probably the lowest on the their, totem pole. Their current state of injuries yeah. and the fact that they're missing almost all of their best players. When you look from best player to worst, I th- mo- the majority of all their best players are now hurt. Yeah, I, I'd say given the current state of things, the 49ers are the worst. Um, and I think the best team is is by far the Seattle Seahawks. Mm. Um, you've got arguably the best quarterback, if not a top three quarterback in the league with Russell Wilson, his playmaking abilities, DK Metcalf. I've been saying it since uh, midway through last year is going to be an absolute superstar. Uh, I, I don't know how, why he fell so far in the draft. They've got him to add to already a bevy of pass options. You get, you know, uh, crybaby Jamal Adams, who again, I mean, let's be honest. He is a great defensive player and that Seattle Seahawks pass rush does need some work. Uh, they only sat Cam Newton one time, but you know, the fact that they can get into a slugfest like that with the New England Patriots, come out on top, make the big defensive stand on the final play of the game. You've got Pete Carroll, who has been one of the best head coaches in college and NFL, wherever he's gone. And again, you got Russell Wilson. So uh, the Seahawks, in their first two games, have been uh, basically a well-oiled machine. I don't expect that to stop anytime soon. They've got my pick as the best in the West. And, and Rock, not about the Seahawks, but what other team in that division, maybe the Cardinals or the Rams, who impressed you the most there? Because they've both looked real good through two weeks. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Rams, uh, it looks like McVay's offense again. And, uh, you know, they're, they're firing on all cylinders. I, I think uh, we talked about it last week when we said, it was it the Cowboys lost or was it the, the Rams win? I think after they went to into uh, Philly, hammered them. Uh, I'm trending up on the, the Rams. I think, uh, I, you know, I think McVay's an excellent coach. And I think, you know, I had questions about Goff too last year, but he's playing to his strengths once again. Uh, 
And then uh, Kyler Murray is excellent, and he's moving at a different speed. And the head coach, who I wanted the Jets to get, I said. <laughs> but, um, you know, he's putting this kid in his comfort zone and using him in ways that makes him a nightmare to defend. And, uh, you know, you, you err on the side of caution that he's not going to get a hit, take one, and then be out. And then they're a totally different team, the Cardinals, without Kyler Murray. But uh, – this division is going to be a bloodbath going forward. And it's ultimately going to come down to the divisional games. So if you're four and two in that division, you're going to the playoffs. And that, that could be you're a tall win. task. That could be a tall task, but yeah. yeah. You're going to win your non-conference game, especially when you're playing the Jets, which they all do. <laughs> <laughs> and they all play the Giants. And they all play the Dolphins, so. Oh my god! Yeah, and you know it's a, uh, it's definitely something to be said right there. I, I actually, I, for some reason, I forgot the Niners lost in Week One, but they're one and one. The rest of the 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 division is two and zero right now. And let me just tell you some stats because I need to just hype up my guy right here, Russell Wilson. You want to hear something ridiculous right now? So obviously they're two and zero. We we all saw the game against the Patriots, but hear this: fifty two of sixty three through two games. That's eleven incompletions. My guy's got nine touchdowns. So he almost has as many touchdowns as incompletions. And if you uh, take out that one, you know, third down where he, you know, threw it deep when they could have probably tried to run it or whatever late in the game, he has 10 incompletions, nine touchdowns. Only one pick, which wasn't his fault, bounced off Greg Olson. Completion percentage is 82%. Obviously, is that going to stay up? Probably not, but it could. His career percentage is around 65. He's at 82%. That's absolutely outrageous. He's the leader for MVP in the clubhouse right now. Pat, I think I hit you on Twitter. You said something about Aaron Rodgers. Like, yo, 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 let's wait and see what Russ does tonight because five touchdowns may do the trick to keep him on top of that MVP ladder. Um, But on the flip side, we got Jared Goff and Kyler Murray also putting together just ridiculous seasons. Kyler with his legs, Jared Goff. uh, Reminds me of the conversation we just had about Baker Mayfield and Joe Burrow, right? You almost don't even care because they both have enough talent to be good. It comes down to coaching. And that Rams team, they were one of my overs for the year. Uh, I think their over was like eight and a half or nine and a half. I forget what it was exactly, but I hammered the over. It, it, it's a perfect ah. storm to come back from that down year where they were down at nine and seven. Uh, they're healthy. They're flying around. The offense looks good. McVay is calm, cool, collected, uh, a leader and an inspirer. So I, I love the Rams and this division, man. Holy hell. The the poor so the NFC East and the AFC East are the two divisions that play them. That that's that's rough out here. Pete, would you eat pizza with Sean McVay? Bro, I would I would do if I was hanging out with Sean McVay, I would pretty much just tell him whatever you want to do, I'm in. I don't even know what it would include. We could be at his uh his house in the mountains with his cute dog chilling, or if he wants to go, you know, fly to Ibiza for a one night rager, I'm like, yeah, Sean, I'm in, baby, let's do it. <laughs> I'll do whatever that guy wants. I don't care. <laughs> right. Instead, instead of going with Adam Gates, go walk around the mall. <laughs> Just like, win, you, window you shopping to, with Adam Gates. You go to hang out with Sean McVay, Pete. You might be the next head coach in the NFL. So Hey, bro, you never know. That's what I'm saying. He's the next guy who has the tree, right? He's the next tree guy. I think Cliff Kingsbury just like hung out with him once. He got a job in the NFL. There you go. Um, he shook his hand. <laughs> that's interesting though. We'll see what happens in the NFC West and who can come out on top of that division. I can't wait to see what the Seahawks versus Cardinals look like. 
what the Rams versus Seahawks versus Cardinals. Whenever those teams, you know, face off in the regular season, we will be locked in because that's high-level quarterback play, that's good defense, and that's head coaches who know what the hell's going on and know what they're doing. They know their identity. And uh, to keep it moving here, because we don't want to go too long right now, let's go to a place where, you know, we're not exactly sure of the identities of two teams. And I want to go to the NFC North. So we'll keep it NFC. There's a team that's 0-2 that we have actually gained a lot of respect for over the past couple years, and that's the Mike Zimmer-led Minnesota Vikings. They're getting shredded. Their defense is banged up compared to last year. Kirk Cousins had a terrible game this week. And then there's the Bears, who are 2-0 and somehow. A comeback win against the Lions, somehow. They hang on against the Giants, somehow. Mitch doesn't really look good. He looked okay in the first half, did nothing in the second half. So are we more confident that the Bears are not actually a good team, or are we more confident that the Vikings aren't a bad team, or are they both just bad? That's possible. I don't know. I'll take this one in terms of the Bears. Uh, they are not a good team. Uh, they've played a Lions team now that has lost, what is it, 11 straight games? Not very uh, good. And four straight games they've lost while having a double-digit lead. So the Detroit Lions have become your walking choke artist of the NFL. And then the Bears beat a Giants team that we know is not nearly where they need to be um, in terms of a football standpoint. And, again, they beat a then depleted Giants team that lost – uh, Sterling Shepard and Saquon Barkley in the middle of the game. So the Bears are a very much so a pretender at 2-0. and I think that's going to be found out very quickly over the next couple of weeks. Here's the Bears' schedule going forward. Falcons, who might be uh, the saddest team in the NFL. Then offense is the- lit, though. <laughs> yeah, a lot of offense, which uh, Chicago Bears' defense is really going to be put to the test. Colts, Buccaneers, Panthers, Rams, Saints, Titans. Oh, boy. And you could say the Panthers are the only easy team there, and they're clearly no slouch, and we don't know how long McCaffrey's out. Uh, yep. But they're no slouch. They're going to compete. And, they, and they've obviously got to play the Packers twice. Um, so I think we're going to find out very quickly uh, whether the Chicago Bears uh, actually, you know, have uh, have the, you know, the sugar in the Kool-Aid or whether it's uh, not fortuitous at all for them. And I, I, I'm going to lean towards that it's going to be the latter. I don't think the Chicago Bears team, I think they're going to struggle to win eight games this year. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Uh, but they've gotten themselves to a good start, so who knows? If Mitch Trubisky's got to prove a lot of people wrong, and this year he's got Nick Foles breathing down his neck. So that could work in two ways. Mitch Trubisky could continue to develop and improve, and we could see him kind of be the quarterback a lot of people are hoping he'd be. Uh, that fourth quarter comeback against the Lions, you know, obviously the Lions are, like we said, choke artists, but it was impressive nonetheless. And, uh, or you could see Mitch Trubisky fall off and you could see Nick Foles again, have some Foles magic. So either way though, I don't think the bears are, I think they're a pretender at two and oh. And, um, and then rock, I'll, I'll let you take the Vikings, but they're bad. Yeah. They're very are, they, bad. are they as bad as they look through two weeks? Rock what's good with the Vikings and Kirk cousins right now? Well, I, I saw a tweet. Uh, would you rather pay, Kirk Cousins, 30 mil, or Cam Newton, 1 mil? <laughs> well, let me let me tell you about something about Cam Newton. My guy's balling out right now. So, yeah. uh, answer, there you go. That's your answer. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think with the Vikings, um, they got last year, they, they were on a little magical run, and then they hit the buzzsaw. They went to the 49ers. Um, Anthony Barr out for the year now. Um, 
I, I was, sh- you know, I was shocked with that showing yesterday. Um, but it, it's uh, the NFL is funny, man. It, there's been uh, there's been teams that have been 0-2 and then turned it around. So we'll, we'll find out real quick. I, I I believe in Kirk Cousins. I think he'll bounce back. Um, are they a playoff team this year? Probably not. But do I see them being a uh, you know a four or five win team? No, I think they'll be around that same seven eight win, but not enough to do it in the uh, in the NFC with the power with the powerful quarterbacks. Absolutely. And the weird thing about Cousins, uh, I'm kind of with you. Kind of like him. I mean, last year was probably his best year of his career. And he started doing some of those things that everybody questioned his whole time. Like, oh, yeah, you know, you put up some stats, you know, you have nice numbers, but are you really moving the needle? Are you really, you know, winning games for your teams? And then last year he made some throws and he had moments where it looked legit and it looked real. Not like, you know, Fugazi numbers that he had just by, you know, like kind of like the Falcons. We were joking before their offense is sick. Sometimes it feels like the Falcons' yards are Fugazi. Like they're, I'm saying Fugazi a lot on this podcast right now. I don't know. I don't know what's up with that. But, the Falcons put up numbers. Their yards are insane. Have any receiver on the Falcons, put them in your fantasy lineup. They're going to get nine catches for 90 yards. But it doesn't feel real all the time. Kirk Cousins you know, had – what's up? Yeah, I was just going to say – sorry, I didn't want to cut you off. You good. I wanted to finish. Yeah, I was just going to say about the Vikings, I mean, consider this. What's been their identity the last few years? It's been their defense. Yeah, and not then only last year, lose, Dalvin Cook. Not only did they lose some key pieces on the defensive side, now – a lot of their defensive players that are, you know, still supposed to be the identity of this team are hurt. Anthony Barr on the IR. They've got a secondary that is nowhere near what it was the last two years. So yeah, Kirk Cousins kind of had the defense to kind of, you know, sit back on and he didn't have to do as much. Now he's got to do way more. And Stefan Diggs laughed his way all the way to Buffalo. So you got Adam Thielen and a bunch of guys really that I don't know a whole lot about. Tajay Sharp, BC Johnson, uh, they drafted Justin Jefferson, but I mean, outside of feeling, doesn't have a whole lot of weapons. And I don't think he was that special to begin with. Well, I mean, I love Thielen. I think he's incredibly talented. But now we can really have the conversation, how much did those two guys help each other, right? How much did Diggs' incredible deep threat ability help Thielen in the mid-range? How much did vice versa, Thielen help Diggs? So that'll be something to watch over the next, you know, couple weeks and over the course of the season because Diggs looks awesome with Josh Allen uh, right now in Buffalo. He's racking up yards, putting the ball in the end zone. It's very impressive. I'm, I'm with you, though. I think the Vikings come back to earth, but that only leaves them at seven wins, eight wins tops, right? So a division we thought was really strong. People felt good about the Lions. Not that they can't put good games together coming up, but Patricia's on that over-under hot seat, too. Is there is there a point in the season where, you know, they're 1-7, just kick them up to the curb. Bye-bye, Matt Patricia. It's possible. Now we're looking at the Packers possibly walking to this division title right now. Uh, but moving on to our next topic here, um, we, we got, we're going to go over to the AFC at this point now, uh, and we're going to talk about, actually, no, one of the teams, this is a, this is a combo, this is an AFC-NFC combo, and the two teams that are going to be put together, no matter what, throughout the entirety of the season, and realistically, the entirety now of Tom Brady's career, the Buccaneers and the Patriots, both got off to a solid one-and-one start where there's a lot to build on. Obviously, they flipped uh, Patriots one week one, lost week two, vice versa. So, both good teams, both legitimate chances to make the playoffs. Who are you more impressed with right now? The Bucks and Brady or Cam and the Patriots? Because the styles couldn't be diff- more different, but the results are both there right now. Rock, what do you think? I mean, 
just look last night. Uh, Cam Newton had himself a day. I know he got stopped on that one yard. Pat had a great tweet. Uh, Pat loved your tweet. Uh, this is what you thought wrong. You know, they, you know, the, the, he got stuffed on the goal line at the one yard, but uh, they, they changed their whole offense around this guy. And, and uh, that's exciting. And, and it's, it's a, it's the main reason he's had so much success that they're willing to modify, adapt. Um, you know, we like to say adapt the dog. So they, they got rid of Brady. They got the Cam Newton. They changed their whole offensive structure and, they wanted one and they were a yard away and a block back by a center on uh oh, what's I'm losing the name of the uh inside B. Uh from who? From the uh Seahawks? Well, Bobby, Bobby, Wagner. Bobby Wagner. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you block back the, the center blocks back on Bobby Wagner and Cam Newton probably gets in and they win 37-35 and they're two and oh. So I'm uh I'm buying the Patriots over the Bucks. I think, uh, you know, I think the Bucks will, will will sneak into the playoffs as a seven seed, but uh, I, I'm going with the Patriots. Yeah, I can't doubt you at all, Rock, for saying that. I, you know, I, you're spot on, and I appreciate the uh, the like on the tweet because it was the right call. I, I kept seeing everybody saying it was the wrong call. It was the right call. They hadn't stopped Cam Newton. You can't stop Cam Newton with a one-on-one open field tackle. Right. So the fact that the, everybody knew it was coming, that's fine. They collapsed the middle. The outside was wide open. I mean, that's tough for Cam Newton to kind of see that when you're expecting the same play to kind of work. He bounces that outside, though. They, he walks into the end zone, in my opinion. And that guy, so, Kou- that guy Kouye, I think he's the D lineman, maybe uh, outside. I'm not sure what technique he was in right there, but there's a guy, Kouye. You know, he went low, and he – submarine that entire play as well. Yep. And that gave Cam less of an option to get out. But I agree. Why would you not stick with something that works? The only thing I would say, give him a little option. Give him something, whether it be a possible handoff, like a read option, or what they did with the tight end or fullback, that one play where he just squirted out and was wide open in the end zone. I do love to just say, hey, put your head down, Cam, and get it done because that's what you've done all game and your whole career. You're the best red zone weapon we possibly have ever seen in this game. But I would have liked to see a little bit of a wrinkle there rather than a straight run. But I'm with you. Saying that's a bad call, you didn't watch the whole game. You didn't watch. I mean, that play was working consistently on the goal line. Why go completely away from it? Exactly. Um, And then to kind of just answer the original question, it's kind of hard to to disagree with Rock because he made a, a bunch of great points with the Patriots and how they've looked through two games. And you consider the fact that you know, half the AFC East still sucks, and the Jets are awful. They're the worst team in the NFL, I think, by far. Um, and the Dolphins, yeah, they're gritty. But I don't, they're still not ready. They pushed the Bills to the final couple minutes. I just, I don't think they're ready yet. So I think the Patriots, just off that division alone, uh, can win four or five games. And, you know, they're, they're set to probably win nine or ten games this year. But, uh, again, with how much talent and how much weapons that the Buccaneers and Brady have, and Brady's still Brady. Obviously, he's not in the peak of his career, but I still think he's a hell of a competitor. He's a winner. He's shown you that he can still throw the ball with some zip, and he's got Evans, Godwin, Fournette. Um, Bunch of tight ends. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, 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 Cameron you know, Braid, O.J. Howard. Braid, yeah, Cameron, yeah. Gronk. If Gronk can get healthy and kind of get back in the swing of things, I mean, it's going to take some time. 
I, I still think that offense could be one of the most potent in the NFL. Bruce Arians, I, I still would rather have as a head coach rather than most guys. Um, and the defense showed you that they stepped up big time. Uh, they were the kind of the, the focal point in their win um, in, in week two. So I still would go with the Buccaneers. Um, I still think Brady is a guy that I'd rather have under center, um, you know, rather than most quarterbacks in this league. And I, I, I'm still buying the stock in the Bucks. You know, give them some time. You know, their division is, is, not, is not the strongest. So yeah. I, I think they're still set for 10 wins. And I think when they get to the playoffs, you know, you get Brady in January, man. With weapons on his side this time, look out. Hey, I think I have no choice here. If you guys remember my take from last week, you know, with the with the Buccaneers and the Brooklyn Brooklyn Nets, Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett style. You gotta stand by it. I'm st- obviously I'm standing by it. Now obviously I was way more impressed with the Bucks watching them in week two. And I think the avenue to go, as much as I like Ronald Jones as a talent and watching him run, I think he's a good player. Fournette's the future of this team and the future of this offense. If he can really hit stride and become a workhorse running back, that makes Bruce Arians and Tom Brady's life so much easier. It's it's like it's unquestionable, right? So, yes, there's there's confidence in the in the Bucks. I like them. I just have a worry, and I heard, uh, I think it was, it might have been Cousin Sal on the Bill Simmons podcast. I forget who it was. Maybe Trent Dilfer. Those are two completely different people. It doesn't matter. I'm just taking somebody else's take and telling you because I thought it was interesting. Tom Brady over the past year, year and a half, maybe in in, in New England, it felt like everything had to go right offensively. And it did a lot of the time because Brady's Brady, right? You have to pick apart the defense in the right way, hit the intermediate passing game, not a lot of explosive plays out of running backs or receivers for that matter, uh, and especially once Grock started really getting hurt and, and banged up. There was an explosion out of the Patriots offense at all over the past couple of years. J- Julian Edelman looked revitalized, and he's an absolute warrior. The guy deserves so much credit. But there's actually more explosion with Cam Newton, and there's a sharpness to Cam Newton's game that we probably haven't seen in four years. So I'm I'm with Rock. I think the Patriots are a better team. This style suits Belichick wonderfully. Um, controlling the clock, playing good defense, uh, understanding when to take chances and when to punt and when to allow your defense to work is something that Belichick can now fully lean into with Cam Newton at the helm and with this team. We got to make sure they get running back right. Uh, right. You know, shout out to James White, obviously going through a tragedy, losing his dad before the game yesterday. I'm with you, though. Uh, I'm with you, Rock. The Patriots look real good right now. And even with the Bills being a legitimate team that we're going to talk about in a moment, Patriots are going to walk to the playoffs a lot easier than the Bucks. though I do still think the Bucks get there. I think when they get there, they get slightly exposed as there's just more... I don't want to say there's more talent, but without Godwin... If Godwin's banged up, is he? Ba- he's banged up. He didn't do much yesterday. Was he banged up? Am I making uh, that yeah, up? Yeah, I don't think. I, I don't think he even played. Yeah, he's banged up. I didn't. I thought I made that up for a second. If he's not there, you know, ripping off big plays as a receiver, uh, I'm going to get a little bit worried, and I'm going to look at other teams in the NFC who just have more explosion and more possibilities to big plays uh, than the Buccaneers do. Because I think in an idealistic world, the Bucks are ready to make game breaker plays all the time. But watching the team so far. I'm not exactly ready for it. I think Fournette uh, will will find his way to be the most impactful offensive player on this team. And I don't know if that gets you to championship contender. But yeah, that's it. Bucks Patriots, man. We're going to be talking about them, you know, together for the rest of the year. Obviously, for for many reasons, and it'll be interesting to see 
who can uh, find their way into better position and then further in the playoffs. And now uh, for a team in the Patriots division and another team that's been a Patriots foe for a long time, just two teams that I think are interesting and we'll only spend a minute or two here. I just want to ask you guys, who's the more true contender? And I'm talking Super Bowl because when we talk Buffalo Bills and we talk Pittsburgh Steelers, they're now in the realm of teams that it's not just, oh, we made the playoffs nice season. The Bills are at a point where they only have a year or two left of Josh Allen's rookie contract. They have a lot of talent. Their defense is obviously stout. Steelers have Big Ben back. How many more years of, the, of Big Ben, Big Ben, do they even have? They're looking nice. Who is the truer contender, the Steelers or the Bills? Not all at once. <laughs> you got to think about that. It's um, a tough one, right? I mean... You know, you're going to have to go experience and you're going to have to go with playoff, you know, experience. Ben Roethlisberger, two Super Bowls, Mike Tomlin, ton of playoff wins. Um, Josh Allen looks good after two weeks. I want to see it more over the I want to see it. I want to be, I want to have this conversation in five weeks. Right. And then we'll really know if he's keeping up. You know, he had a tremendous day yesterday, 400 yards. I think the Stefan Diggs, they've surrounded him with enough talent to really flourish. Um, Big Ben, you know, I watched him on the Monday night. I didn't see too much of him yesterday, but uh, Claypool's a stud. Mm. Um, Juju, I I think once again, it goes down to uh, the experience with Big Ben allows you to believe that if they get into the tournament that they could sneak up on someone and, and then you're one game away from being in the AFC, you know, championship, which he's been to a bunch of times. Pat, what do you think? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say still, I'd agree with rock here. The Steelers, they have the experience. They've got the edge in terms of the defense. Um, I still think this offense needs time to gel. You need big Ben you know, to keep getting more and more uh, familiar and reacquainted with this offense. You know, again, missing, you know, he basically missed all of last season. So you're taking away an entire season from the man. Um, that's going to take some time. But yeah, I agree. Rock, Notre Dame, another Notre Dame guy, Chase Claypool. I think he's an absolute stud. I think he turns out to be a huge weapon for Big Ben this year. Takes the pressure off having to throw to Juju on all the big plays. Connor's been a great running back. Even when he's hurt, Benny Snell, we saw what he did against the Giants. The offensive line is still very solid. And, and even then, the offense is not operating at peak efficiency. I think if that offense gets going, this Steelers team can be scary good because the defense, in my opinion, Ooh. is if not the best. They fly. Top three defense in the NFL. The front seven is just incredible, led by T.J. Watt. Bud Dupree is great. The secondary is great with Minka Fitzpatrick. They had seven sacks again on Denver. Uh, they, they are tremendous, tremendous defense, and they are going to keep them in almost every ball game this year. And if the offense is clicking, man, look out. I, I think the Steelers have a have just through two weeks, and granted they haven't played a whole lot of talented teams. They've played the Giants and the Broncos. But just what we've seen from them in the first two weeks, I think the Steelers team might have a shot to go to make a run to the AFC title game mm. uh, if the offense can, can click. And that's not to take anything away from Buff- from Buffalo and the way Josh Allen has played through two weeks. I think he has done enough to kind of throw himself on the edge of the MVP conversation. He threw for over 400 yards against the Dolphins. 
Um, but I, I think you're going to see the Bills come back down to life a little bit over the next few weeks. The schedule gets very, very tough for them over the next couple of games. So uh, I think the Steelers are going to continue to trend in the right direction when you compare them with Buffalo. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's close. Yeah, Buffalo – oh, go ahead. I was, how many names on this podcast of plays that the Jets passed up? Great pool. <laughs> I was thinking about that with the Patriots, too, because not the current Patriots, Tom Brady's Patriots, and this them in general. They can't draft a receiver to save their lives. I mean, I like Nikhil Harry. I think he's going to be a, a good player for a long time. But the Steelers seem to hit on every single pick for a receiver or even running back. I mean, we were talking about the Bucks' talent, right, from a, from a weapon perspective. I think Godwin is the true game-breaker in the Bucs. Like, he needs to be healthy and making big plays in order for them to hit full stride. I mean, Evans is incredible, but he's not a breakaway speed guy. He's a, I'm going to beat you one-on-one guy. It's a little bit of a different ball game with jump balls and whatnot. Not taking anything away from him. Gronk looks slow. We'll see what Scotty Miller can do. But can we put anybody in the league as far as wide receiver core or even, you know, full offensive weapon, including James Conner, against the Steelers? Uh, Juju, Deontay Johnson, uh, James Washington, and Chase Claypool. Bro, there's not a weakness there. And if, if Claypool can be a legit rookie, which it looks like he can be, and he could be better than some of these first-round rookies, perhaps, in year one, we're looking at a team now that reminds us a little bit more of the Big Ben slinging around leading the league in yard Steelers. So I, I'm, I think I'm with you guys based off the experience and, and whatnot with the Steelers, but I will say this about the Bills. Josh Allen is not Cam Newton, but he is the closest thing to Cam Newton we've had in this league because Cam Newton's one of a kind, right? He broke the position of quarterback. He became a one-of-one one talent that you had to build your team around. Josh Allen isn't quite Cam Newton, but he's pretty close, and he's the closest thing we've seen. I mean, I don't know if you guys have another quarterback in your head who is as big and strong and can run like him with a powerful arm like that. Now, obviously, he needs to tighten up certain things. But is it, like, truly realistic to say Josh Allen will be the best quarterback of this class, you know, looking at Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold and, and some other dudes over here? Like, is he right now just sitting on top of that draft class saying, it is my draft class, I'm the best quarterback, and, you know, someone catch me? Is that what we're saying right now? Yeah, no, I think I think you're absolutely right, Pete. I don't think there's anything wrong with that statement at all. Not Josh Rosen. See. Josh Rosen isn't making a run for it. <laughs> Josh Rosen. Oh my goodness, the long forgotten Josh <laughs> Rosen. We might might never see him play another game in the NFL. Which hurts my feelings, by the way. I was I was kind of a Rosen guy on the pod. I I thought he had talent. I liked him. I feel bad because his situation was so terrible in the I league. Mean, you but see, see year in year in and year out, Oof. Pete, just how much of a crapshoot really picking a quarterback is. You know, a guy can have everything you want: the tangibles, the body, the the college game, the college stats, and sometimes it just does not work out if you don't get him in the right with the right head coach and the right scheme, the right you know system. But, yeah, no, Josh Allen, you're absolutely right with that. Uh, what we saw from him through the end of last year, taking that team to what should have been the second weekend of the playoffs um, if they didn't have an absolute epic disaster collapse. And uh, and then what we've seen in, the, in two games, you know, this year. Granted, again, it's been against the Jets and the mm-hmm. Dolphins, but he has uh, been one hell of a performer. Real test coming up for the Bills. Rams this weekend. That's a test right there. That's no joke. It's a great game. If you beat the Rams, we're looking at the Bills like, yo, this team is All not messing around. It's at Bills. Not that it matters as much, but it definitely matters with no if fans. If the Bills Mafia was there, then, then they'd really have the advantage. Different story. Different story right there. It, is, right. it is a 1 o'clock game with the West, West Coast team coming to the East Coast, and I thought it was different, but I'm pretty sure I heard 
uh, Shenlugi and tell me today, West Coast teams, I think, are 15 and five against the spread playing in a one o'clock game on the East in what? the last two years. Holy hell. I have well, to double check that. Well, I'll tell you I, what. Right now, the Bills are minus three, so I'm about to hammer the Rams before this podcast is over. How you doing? Well, I, 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 don't, hey, it could, <laughs> I, I don't know yet. Um, I, again, with the week, you know, week two being the week of the injuries, we got to see who's healthy going into which game. Uh, but I think both of these both of these teams have been able to stay relatively healthy. But you matched the the L.A. Rams front seven against Buffalo. I would also probably like the Rams right now. Again, we're we're very far away from week from week three. It's only Monday or Tuesday, but yeah. Hey, oh man. It feels like it's been a bunch of weeks of football. We only had two weeks of games. It feels like uh, the Chiefs yesterday when they played finally, I felt like they hadn't played in two weeks. I was like, you know, I made the mistake of betting on the on the Chiefs yesterday. I was like, you know, Andy Reid kind of has like a mini bye week. He's a legend off the bye week, and the Chargers competed. That was, that was sneaky right there. But let's talk about our last topic before we say goodbye, and this will be a quick one. It's about the Chiefs. It's about the Ravens. These two teams are the cream of the crop. They're the best teams in the league. They have the best odds to win the Super Bowl. They have two of the top three guys to win MVP. We know about Lamar. We know about Mahomes. We know about Harbaugh. We know about Reed. These two teams are stacked. They're studs. Now, fortunately, we get to see them face off. I wish it wasn't week three. I wish it was a little later in the season, if we're being honest, but I'll take what I can get. Now, you guys need to keep me in check right now. Is it insane to say whoever wins this team, this game here, the Ravens or the Chief, Chiefs, have a legitimate chance to go undefeated this year. And I don't like getting hyperbolic. I don't like going crazy. As I, I really don't want to make this a hot take. But these two teams seem so far above everybody else that they're going to be favorited in every game. What team has a better chance to like win 14, 15, possibly 16 games this year? Is it the Chiefs or the Ravens, Rock? You know, I'm going to say Ravens... Uh based upon their travel schedule, based upon who the AFC North is playing. Um, And, you know, once again, the Chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champions, so each team's coming, swinging their sword at them. Uh, But it it goes back again to the common denominator, the two best head coaches in the NFL right now, especially in this, you know, in this COVID year of no preseason, no real off season. These two head coaches, once again, have found the way to keep them, you know, above the curve and, you know, a complete nightmare for every other team. It's going to be a war. I'm great. I'm, I'm glad it's Monday Night Football. I'd love to do the, the show a little bit later. Next oh, yeah, week. we'll have to watch the or whole maybe, game. <laughs> or maybe we'll do it Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, and you're gonna see new you're gonna see new plays from both teams and new schemes that they've been holding off for this game because this game's gonna matter so much for who's gonna be the one seed. Yeah, um, I, I disagree, Rock. I, I think the Chiefs have the better chance of going 16 and 0 if there were to be a team. I think they beat the Ravens on Monday night, and uh, you know you look at just the divisions. You know, Kansas City has basically, I think they've only lost one game within the division in the last three years. Whereas, you know, Baltimore, they got whipped by Cleveland the second time they played them. Obviously, they, they paid that back with uh, with interest in week one, <laughs> and they can easily beat them again when they play them again. Cincinnati, they should be able to beat both times. But beating Pittsburgh twice is going to be a challenge. And 
you know, you look at the Chiefs' schedule, I think it is a bit weaker. You know, they get to play teams like Atlanta, uh, Miami, the Jets. Obviously, the Bills is going to be – they got to play the, the Patriots and the, and the Bills. So, I mean, who knows? But, uh, you know, I, I don't think either team really does go 16-0. and right. um, it Just especially with how many injuries now the game is we see on a week-to-week basis, you have to not only stay healthy, you've got to have incredible depth. And the Chiefs do have that, but – it's you know uh, going sixteen and zero in this season. But honestly, it would feel like twenty five and zero, and it's how yeah. difficult it's going to be. I, I I agree, and that's why I you know I made sure I didn't want to be you know too hyperbolic. The real reason of posing a question like that is to say which team has a chance to reach a superior level of dominance? Because I think if we're all betting man here, we could all confidently say they're both thirteen win teams, right? Which team has a chance to hit that ilk of like fourteen fifteen wins? I think they both do. Obviously, not both of them could go undefeated if they're playing against each other. So it just kind of felt like a nice way to segue this this conversation of the best of the best, the cream of the crop. Uh, I'll go with the Ravens, though, just if we were going to say, to you know, pick a team to be more regular season dominant or closer to 16-0. and 0. And it's because part of what Rock said, Chiefs are the Super Bowl champions. They don't have to prove anything in the, in the regular season. Lamar Jackson is still hungry. He still has to shut up haters that he can throw from the pocket. I think there's a concerted effort out of Lamar to run less and be like, yo, I'll slice you with my arm too. I'll, I'll crush your soul from the pocket as well. So I think there's a little more edge on the Ravens from a regular season standpoint, a little bigger chip on their shoulder because the Chiefs have that ring. Mahomes has that ring. Reed, Reed now has that ring. So from a regular season standpoint, I kind of like the Ravens from an aggression uh, place and from a, a true want factor. The Chiefs know... The regular season doesn't matter unless they, they make it to the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl. So I think regular season-wise, we see more dominance out of the Ravens, but 16 to no. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Obviously, that's not going to happen. <laughs> but if it does, we said it here first. <laughs> but, uh, Immediate hedge. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to look on DraftKings and see, or FanDuel, whatever, see if there's a bet to see if you get, what the odds are that uh, any team will go 16-0, let alone pick one team to go 16-0. I don't know. I think that's it, though, right now. Um that's all we got. Week two is in the books. It, it's been fun. Unfortunately, not as fun for New York football fans, which this podcast is based around New York stuff. So, you know, tough. But thankfully, the on-field product otherwise has been fantastic. As we speak currently, uh, the Saints and, Ra- and Raiders are in a battle. The Raiders currently have the lead. We'll see what happens. But uh, that's past our bedtime, past our record time. So, Rock Odell, Pat Boyle, thank you as always. And we'll finish up how we always finish up. Last words. Pat, I'll put you on the spot. Last words for Subway Sports Talk. Of course, you got uh, the Boyle and Shen show coming out tomorrow as well. You're doing double duty. What are your last words? Yes, yeah, sir. I appreciate the shout out again. Last words, a team we didn't get to talk to talk about at all today that we're going to have to touch on next week because they're probably going to lose again. And the entire city, in terms of their sports, is an absolute joke as the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, boy. I'd like, I'd like to rip the Philadelphia Eagles uh, oh. a little bit next week. And, uh, you know. We've seen just absolute embarrassment from Philly sports as a whole this year. Uh, the Sixers getting swept in the first round. The Eagles on their way to a, a sub-500 finish. The Phillies probably not going to do much. You know, they're going to make the playoffs, it looks like. Who knows? They might choke. <laughs> and uh, and who else am I missing here? Uh, uh, the, the, the Flyers. Flyers. They got, they got Flyers booted too. Knocked yeah. out by the Islanders. There you so, go. I'd like to rip the Philadelphia Eagles a little bit next week. Okay. Hey, you know what? I, I respect that. I'm I'm kind of a Carson Wentz guy, so I'll I'll try to maybe defend them if I see fit. 
but they haven't given me many reasons to like what they're doing. Uh, good last words. Rocco Del Piori, last words for Subway Sports Talk. All right, I'm going to go Coach Dell on this one. Let's so, go. Uh, you know, you heard uh, what Belichick made a mistake running the quarterback power. You heard about uh, Adam Gase and his inept play calling. Uh, worst play call of the day, Anthony Lynn, fourth and one against the defending champs in the in overtime. You go for that in that situation. Mm. Um, it's It's overtime. Uh, you're playing with a rookie quarterback. You got the champs on their back. They had it. The the Chiefs would have had to kick a field goal no matter what. I I really believe they get that first down. It's a different ball game, and maybe we we aren't having this combo today about the Chiefs being 16 and 0. But you play you play you know to not lose in the NFL, and you lose. So he chose to punt, and the field goal kicker for Kansas City hits not one, not two put three field goals Bro. to win an OT. So bad move, Anthony Lynn. Still love you though. Part of the Rex Ryan coaching tree. What what a what a hard knocks guy, by the way. Anthony Lynn was yeah. fantastic on hard knocks, but yep. you know what? There's been a knock and, and people were shocked that he actually kept his job with the Chargers. People thought he was on his way out. People seem to love him and maybe that's why, but he needs to start letting it rip a little bit. You can't coach afraid to lose because that's probably the worst position you could put yourself in. If you're more afraid to lose than you are willing to win, then then you're not going anywhere. You're not going anywhere fast, at least. I'll tell you that much. So we'll see what happens there. My last words go to basketball. Oh, my gosh. The NBA play- – this is, like, overwhelming for me, by the way. I got another podcast scheduled uh, with probably the baseball guys and the basketball guys. I'm going to do a combo because, goddamn, how do we not talk about all this stuff? Football is in the full swing now. We're entering week three. It's the conference finals in basketball. We got LeBron in the conference finals. We got the Celtics and the Heat battling. Um, by the time this pod comes out, you know, that tomorrow night the Celtics and Heat will play. We'll have the NBA Outsiders on. We're going to have Alec and Andrew, the designated hitters, talk baseball. The Mets maybe have a last-second hope to maybe make it. They're probably not, but the Yankees are getting hot. Sports, man, I'll tell you what. I, I missed them in, in quarantine. I really did. Then I hit this rhythm where I was saying – you know what? It's not terrible. They'll come back at some point. Now that they're back, and now that we're watching all these different sports played at a high level, shout out to the athletes who are playing this game, all the games at a high level. I'm just so excited. I'm partially overwhelmed trying to talk about it all and, and deliver this content. Baseball, basketball, football, all exciting, all great. That's it. I don't even know what my last words specifically are. That's just it. All those words are my last words. I can't wait to watch Celtics Heat. Can't wait to see if the Nuggets could come back again or if we just get to see LeBron's greatness in the finals one more time. Um, it's great stuff. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy. For Pat Boyle, for Rocco Del Puri. It's been another week of the three football guys talking about football. And the sub- I don't. We got to work on our name. You got anything before we go? Any, anybody got a name pitch idea here? We got something? Three and out? I like that. Maybe three and out? Po- I don't know. We got to figure something out. No help from you oh, guys. I like I like three and out. That's good. But yeah, we'll maybe we'll lock down a name by next week. I don't know. We'll we'll figure something out. And if you're listening right now and you got an idea for the three of us, you know, hit us on Twitter at Subway Sports Talk TLK on Instagram at Subway Sports Talk. And, and as always, appreciate the support, appreciate the listens, subscribe, rate, review, turn the notifications on, all that fun stuff. But this is it, Subway Sports Talk, baby. Have a good one.